The Mac Observers, Mac Geek Gab, episode 902 for Cyber Monday, November 29th, 2021. Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We mash them all together. We string them all together into an agenda that we loosely follow with the goal being that we're going to answer your questions. We're going to share your tips. We're going to share your cool stuff found. We are going to help us all solve our problems and in the process, learn at least five new things. Yeah. Speaking of five, we have five sponsors for this episode. We have uh, Theraga, Theragun at therabody.com com slash mgg where you get to try theragun for 30 days starting at only 199 wealthfront.com slash mgg where you get your first 5,000 managed for free hunterdouglas.com slash mgg where you have one week left to take advantage of their season of style rebate savings event otherworld computing with their holiday deals at maxsales.com slash holiday so you're going to want to check that out and imperfectfoods.com where coupon code MGG saves you 20% off your first four orders. We will detail each of those in their entirety shortly here in the episode for now here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Brun. Uh, howdy, howdy, John F. Brun. How you doing? Yeah, you again. I know that's right. Yeah, we uh, we because of the Thanksgiving holiday, we're actually recording this a full week in advance, or or perhaps even more. So so if any radical news comes out of Apple's camp in the or or a related camp in the next uh, in the past nine days, that's why we're not talking about it. But we are talking about a lot of other things. We have more quick tips than you can shake a stick at, and we're going to start with Giles. Uh, and these are the things I love. The epitome of a quick tip. He says, I was using the built-in calculator in Control Center on my iPhone. He launched it from Control Center and, you know, up comes the calculator. I wanted to use a function which wasn't showing. So I went to the App Store to find a scientific calculator. When I picked up my phone in landscape mode, the built-in calculator changed. No need to download another app. And he's right. If you, uh, you know, you launch the calculator in portrait mode. You get the the sort of basic functions of a calculator that most of us need most of the time. But if you rotate, it becomes a somewhat scientific calculator with memory and square roots and, you know, cosine and tangent and all the lots of other fun stuff. You can even do logarithms over there, can't you, John? So nice. It is. Uh, yeah. No, it's a it's a it's quite a full featured calculator. I like it. That's good. Thanks, Giles, for the reminder. That's great stuff. I, I forget about that all the time. I forget about it all the time. Another thing that I forget about, John, is something that came up actually in the pre-show chatter for 901, and that is tabs in mail. This is a game changer, folks. It's one of those things that I didn't I kind of knew what I was missing. Like I I there were there were moments over over the years where I was like, you know, please give me mail with tabs, you know, but mm -hmm. uh, Apple finally did. Uh, it, and. It is truly a game changer. The, the the best use case I can share, we will all find our own sort of killer app of this, uh, is when you're in your mailbox, you know, you're, you're triaging through things or moving through things or whatever, you're highlighted on a certain message, you're seeing something, you're like, wait, I have an answer for this. I need to go search for it. And as soon as you search in mail, you lose focus on whatever else it was you were doing. 
And then yeah. you have to find where you were and come back and yada, yada, yada. Well, with tabs, you just open a new tab, do the search over there, filter it down however you want to, and then you can bounce back to the first tab and your focus is maintained. And of course, that's true for lots of things. If you have a mailbox that you watch all day long or whatever, you can just move to the other tab and see it without having to click and find and and again, lose focus on the other things. It's it's a game changer, and I highly recommend testing it out to see how you might be able to integrate it into And how would one create one of these tabs, my friend? Same way as you do in Safari, Command-T. Oh, no, actually, that's not true, is it? <laughs> I click the little plus button. The Command-T just opens up the text window. So it is not that way. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I just click the little plus button next to the main uh, mail window, and that's how I open a new tab. There must be a menu command for this, right? New viewer tab is in the file menu. Uh, new viewer tab. It is not in the file menu. I swear to you, if you go to the help, this is freaking Apple. If you go to the help menu in, uh, in mail and, and type tab, it will show a new viewer tab option in uh, file menu. in the file menu, but it's not there. It's not there. That's the weirdest thing. So you just have to do it by clicking the plus key. Fascinating. Uh, hold on. Is it like a sh ah shift? Okay, so it is it is it normally to open a new viewer window in mail, you would do command option N. And if you add a shift to that, it becomes a tab. So it's command option shift N for anybody that really would bother to do that. Uh, command option shift N. It does indeed open a new tab. Okay. So. So that's why it shows up in the help menu, because it is in the file menu just with the correct modifier keys. So if you hold down the shift key on the file menu, you'll see it and then you can see the whole deal. What a weird thing. But I love it. It's it truly is a game changer feature. I highly, highly recommend attempting to incorporate it into your workflow. It's uh, yeah. Let us know how it goes. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Um, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com is where Todd sent in his quick tip, isn't it, John? Uh, yes. Uh, good follow up. Um, I am also very fortunate to have recently moved from a 2017 MacBook Pro Touch Bar um, to a 16-inch MacBook Pro M1 Pro, but I had created a Touch Bar button to put my MacBook Pro to sleep and now have no clear way to recreate this. Ah, follow-up from our, 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 our shutdown, your, your quest to find a way to trigger the shutdown options. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then I found an Apple support page and under sleep logout and shutdown shortcuts, I found the key combination to sleep my MacBook Pro option command power button. All right. Oh, interesting. Option command power button will don't put you back to sleep. No, I won't do that now. Okay, great, great. Good thinking. Ah, so it is there. Okay, good stuff. Uh, I like it. Nice. Thanks, John. Thanks, Todd. All right. Uh, Cliff has a quick tip for us that's really kind of more of a hacky thing, which I like. Uh, he says, uh, I, uh, I have a frustrating PDF problem, which I solved. 
I received a filled out uh, PDF form from my doctor's office for work, which was, of course, password protected because of HIPAA compliance. I could not submit the form to work password protected, but the obvious menu options in preview would not remove the password. Most tips on the Internet talk about using the export option in preview to resave the file without a password. But all my attempts resulted in a still passworded file. Finally, one tip noted that as a last resort, Use file print save as PDF, which worked. So I guess my tip would be that preview file export no longer works for this, but save as PDF does. Do you clever geeks have another easier way to remove PDF passwords? No. And I don't think the export one has worked for a while because I get uh, tax returns from my CPA that are password protected. And the first thing I do is I immediately save a copy that's not password protected because the last thing I want is when I need to go look at 2015's tax return for whatever reason, you know, some college wants it or whatever. And then it comes up and it's like, what's your password? It's like, I don't know. That was like five years ago, dude. I don't know what the password is. So having been in that scenario exactly one time and having to spend whatever 15 minutes hunting for the right email from Bob to uh, to show me my password, I now just save them. Uh, save as PDF. And that's how I've always done it is that way. But now, of course, you can use the quick tip from Pilot Pete in Mac Geek Up 900 to make that command PP and boom, you're good to go. So I like it. Hopefully that helps, Cliff. Fun stuff. You want to take us to Adam, John? All right. Adam's got a tricky one here. Um, I wanted to attach a local PDF file to a calendar appointment in BusyCal. This will work in Mac Calendar app too, I think. However, BusyCal does not have a field to attach a file, but I can attach a URL. So on my MacBook, I went to Finder and right-clicked on the file in iCloud Drive and then selected Share, which gave me the option of getting the iCloud Drive link. I copied that and pasted in the URL in the field in BusyCal and presto, it worked. And what's cool about it is uh, that I can then move or rename the original file and it still syncs across all my devices. All right. Nice. Ah, cool. I, I, these are the, see, these are the things I love it. I love, I love. All right. Um, while we're on the PDF thing, Patrick had come in with a, uh, a tip here, which I swear I will find. Uh, he says, uh, it's unlikely that you'll hear this from just me, but uh, regarding Pilot Pete's command, command, command P, P for saving PDFs, what I use more often is command P, command M to mail the PDF. So he's done the same thing. He goes into system preferences, keyboard, uh, and then shortcuts, and you go to app shortcuts and add uh, command M for the mail pdf and it's it's a very specific thing of course right so if we i will i will tell you what to add for that but you can see it when you are there in the print menu it is send space in space mail with the s and send and the m and mail being capitalized so you assign that to command m so now he can go there and he can either save it as a pdf or he can do uh, command m to mail the pdf he says my typical workflow is to use the two commands and then mail opens up to a new message with the PDF as an attachment. 
Then I can often use the built-in Mac markup tools to add a signature or some other piece of info right there in mail. For example, while writing a contract in Word or Pages, hit Command-P, Command-M. It opens up mail to a new message with the PDF. Click the markup signal or button and sign the contract, address the email, and hit send. Using this method drastically cuts down on the amount of emails sent without actually attaching the contract. Right. Yeah. So I love this. I, I, this is like the, the confluence of lots of Apple tech because we're using this, this menu uh, shortcut thing, which has actually has been there forever or maybe not forever, but you know, very long time, but we only just stumbled onto it. Thanks to Pete and David Sparks. And, uh, and then using the markup features that are built into all the Apple apps when they have a PDF. So you don't even have to move to a different app to do your signing and then move that into mail. You just move into mail and boom, you're good to go. I like this. The only problem with that that I'm thinking about is you wouldn't, the only place you would have a signed copy of that PDF would be in your sent items, unless you manually just drag that, that signed PDF out to, uh, you know, to the finder somewhere. If you want to save a copy of the signed contract, of course. Yeah, this is good. This is good. I like it. Uh, it reminded me of something, but I forgot what it was. There was something in there. New mail, new message. Oh, when he says it cuts down on the amount of emails sent without actually, actually attaching the contract. I have an outbox rule in mail that I set using mail act on. Right. So that's part of small cubes mail suite. And and with outbox rules, you can have it just like mail has its inbox rules. You can have it do things on outbound messages. And one of the things I have it do is check to see if I mention the word attach in an email and there is no attachment. So it's a, it's mm -hmm. a two part rule. And it says if all of these are true, attach is in the email. There is no attachment to the message. It floats up a warning dialogue saying, hey, you mentioned the word attach, but there's no attachment. Do you want to make sure that, you know, is this intentional? And I would say more than half the time it's not. And it's like, oh, cancel. Let me put the attachment in. So it helps me from uh, from having to do it twice, which is great. Hmm. Right. It's pretty good. It's nice if it could do that automatically because um, it can with mail act on. Right. No, I understand. OK. Um, <laughs> no, it's just a, I'm surprised Apple didn't make something like that sure. at some point. Sure. Because like. Uh, from what I recall, the only time it'll warn you is if you don't have a subject, because it figures that's yes. probably bad. Yes, yes, yes. It's trying to <clears throat> prevent yeah, you from sending mysterious emails. Mysterious things, that's right, yeah. Um, I stumbled on something, John, that I, I now find has been here for about six months, uh, and that is if you go into settings, uh, this is on your iPhone, uh, settings, music, uh, and I'm going to go there with you here to make sure that we're going to the right place. So we go to settings, we go to music, which I will find, I swear. Uh, and then uh, if you look in the audio section, well, first of all, there's the Dolby Atmos stuff. If you have AirPods Pro or AirPods Gen 3, I highly recommend turning on the Atmos stuff and playing around with that because it's really awesome. Like it's so well done. Uh, if you have tracks downloaded onto your phone that are not yet Atmos, you need to delete them so that you can hear the Atmos versions of the tracks. But, but there's some fantastic stuff like Abbey road is amazing. It's awesome. There's other stuff that's good too. Uh, but the second thing in the settings, music audio section there is audio quality. And you get to pick 
what type of quality you have on different uh, on different methods, right? So for downloads, you can tell it how you want it and you get uh, different options of how that's going to work. You can do lossless or not. Wi-Fi streaming, of course, you get to pick. But the one where it gets interesting is cellular streaming. And there are four options if you are an Apple Music customer and two options if you are not. Uh, the options are... High efficiency AAC with low data usage. That's available to everyone, as is high quality AAC, 256K. And then you get two lossless versions if you are an Apple Music customer. Uh, just the typical ALAC up to 2448. And then what they call high res lossless, which is ALAC, ALAC being Apple lossless audio codec uh, up to 24192K. Uh, so if you have the ability to hear frequencies that only dogs could hear maybe that'll make a difference for you uh so yeah and it's um it that i've set mine on cellular streaming to be the high efficiency aac with low data usage and it like I, generally the only place where i would hear stuff like that is in the car and i have not noticed a difference so uh so play with it see what you like it's good yeah moving on Okay, uh, the next thing, oh, I, this, I, John, I had no idea until I read an article uh, here at the Mac Observer from Andrew Orr that disk utility in Monterey can now manage your APFS snapshots. It's fantastic. Uh, and, and there's a great article, an in-depth article from uh, Howard over at Eclectic Light where if you do this, if you go and choose that option, it will show you all of the snapshots, what created them, and uh, and and you can you can manage them, and it's it's like a a really robust snapshot manager right there in Disk Utility, and uh, and you get there in the uh, I think it's in the View menu. You go to Show APFS Snapshots. So pretty cool. Did you had you seen this yeah. yet? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, or if you have carbon copy cloner, it does that too. Well, right. Um, but it's this nice is... that Apple adds it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Previous to this, you're right. Carbon copy cloner was the only way to do it. And now we get it from Apple. Finally. Like what, what had Apple been doing over the mm -hmm. years? Like what utility did they have that we couldn't touch? Carbon copy cloner. Uh, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, yeah, good stuff. All right. And then our final quick tip. And then we've got some, man, we've got some, uh, we have some keyboards to talk about. I, I'm, I'm excited. And then other things too, uh, is, uh, is from Steven, which is a follow-up to last week's episode. Yes. Even though we recorded these two episodes back to back and, and for us, 901 has not even been released yet. Steven has a follow-up to 901. And I say that, and then I don't even have his... Oh, oh, I, it's because it's not a PDF for us. He, We were talking about ne the network quality terminal app uh, on macOS Monterey, and Steven sent us a link to Apple's support article that, first of all, talks about the network quality app in terminal. But the name of the support all article is Test Wi-Fi Networks with Apple Network Responsiveness. And it says the Apple network responsiveness test measures the responsiveness of a network or its ability to multitask when multiple devices and apps are sharing the network at the same time. And of course, on the Mac, it tells you to run the new network quality app in terminal uh, on an iOS or iPad OS device, though, John, there is now a way 
you have to install a uh, Wi-Fi profile from Apple's developer website. So you need to be an Apple developer. And then when you go into settings Wi-Fi and you tap on the eye icon next to your network, you get a diagnostics uh, option and you can test your network responsiveness right from there, which is pretty darn cool if you ask me. So which is why we put it on the list. So, yeah, right. Cool. Finally, it's nice to see this stuff. I would love to see. I guess we do have it. Uh Airport utility has a Wi-Fi scanner built into it. If mm-hmm. you go into, let's see, you have to go into the settings app, the main settings app, and go to the settings for airport utility. And there is an option at the very bottom of that page for Wi-Fi scanner that one must enable. And once that's enabled, then you get the Wi-Fi scanner in the upper right-hand corner of uh, the airport utility. So Apple's got lots of stuff for us, John. It's fantastic. We love it. Anything else on that? Yeah. Sometimes they hide it though. Well, that's the thing. Stop that. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I would prefer them not to force me to install a profile to do stuff on my, uh, you know, these diagnostics on my phone. I get, I, I sort of get why they do it. I, actually, I, I think what they've done with airport utility with the thing is, is with just the setting is, you know, turn on debug mode. Like you get in Safari. It's good. All right. Uh, I want to talk about keyboards. The next thing I want to do, John, is talk about our first uh, few sponsors here, if that's all right by you. Okay. All right. Hey, look, you know, a lot of investment apps make it easy to start trading. But just because it's easy to do doesn't mean you know what you're doing, right? None of us do, unless we've spent a lot of time really learning. You know, the day trading can be a lot of fun, but if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon... That's why you want to open up a Wealthfront investment account today. And this is what makes Wealthfront different. They make it easy to invest and they make it easy to get smarter about investing because there's a difference, right? Like between making money and growing wealth and to do the latter, you're probably going to want to use Wealthfront because after answering just a couple questions, Wealthfront will build you a diversified portfolio of low cost index funds in minutes. You can also build your own portfolio with whatever you like, you know, crypto trust, clean energy funds, cannabis, tech, hundreds of other investments. And Wealthfront even offers their socially responsible portfolio, which is a mix of funds built around things like climate change, sustainability, human rights, diversity. Best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading, all the rebalancing, and they even help you lower your tax bills while you invest. And that's why Wealthfront's trusted with over $27 billion in assets. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash MGG. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash MGG to start building your wealth. One more time, that's Wealthfront.com slash MGG and get started today. All right, Dave, the holidays are right around the corner. If you want help prepping for your parties and family get-togethers, all while supporting a more sustainable local food system, check out Imperfect Foods. Every day, delicious groceries fall through the cracks of our food system because of how they look. Imperfect Foods is turning this around by sourcing quirky but delicious foods and delivering them to you in a way proven to reduce emissions. 
What if getting your favorite groceries put time back into your week instead of taking it away? With the weather getting colder outside, stay cozy and let Imperfect Foods deliver you intentionally sourced groceries with just a few clicks. And uh, I got the variety pack, Dave. It's uh, it's a lot more than just uh, funny looking produce. I got a, I'll call it a protein pack, uh, smoked salmon, grass-fed beef strip steak, bacon. I mean, who doesn't love bacon? Uh, chicken sausages. So that's for dinner. Um, but then you may ask yourself, what about dessert? Well, got some peanut butter cups, uh, wonky chocolate bar pieces, and double chocolate brownies. I'm not going to eat them all at once. <laughs> and quirky. They even had uh, some quirky stuff. What did I get here? A uh, Organic cashew milk mozzarella and chocolate hazelnut hummus. So you can do a little experimentation. So um, right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfoods.com and use promo code MGG. Again, 20% off your first four orders. That's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com. Promo code MGG. Go to imperfectfoods.com and use promo code MGG. And we'd like to thank Imperfect Foods for sponsoring this show. Very nice. Listen, who doesn't love to live well, to be perfectly at ease, in comfort, and in style? Hunter Douglas, our next sponsor here, can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. So perhaps it's the way the shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room or being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. Maybe it's the superior insulation the shades provide, keeping you warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer, and lowering utility bills. Or is it simply that Goldilocks moment when you walk into a room and everything about it looks and feels just right? When you tap Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology on your phone, this is how you manage it. Your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. So live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. To do it, visit HunterDouglas.com slash MGG today to take advantage of the Season of Style Rebate Savings event. That's HunterDouglas.com slash MGG for limited time savings. But this offer expires real soon on December 6th, 2021. So go check it out now. And our thanks to Hunter Douglas for sponsoring this episode. All right. I promised it was time to talk about keyboards. John, I've been searching for the uh, perfect next keyboard for me. I don't want to say replacement, but it is a replacement. I have this old Logitech keyboard I mentioned on the show. Uh, it's, it's, it hasn't been made in a decade, L literally in a decade. But, uh, you know, it, it, it suits me because it's what I'm used to. And that's really a big part of this. So I headed down this path. And I know that I want a keyboard with a numeric keypad for for my my desk. I am a numeric keypad person. I use it all the time. When it's not there, I feel like I'm typing with mittens on. So, listener Joe hipped me to this company, IQ Unix, and this is one of the keyboards I tested. It's it's not the one that I've landed on, but it, it is worth a mention. Uh, he told me about the F ninety six keyboard, and so he actually had one. I actually bought it from him. It's the Coral C version. It's a mechanical keyboard, and this uses Cherry keyboard switches, which are uh, some of the industry's best. And 
the keyboard feels delicious as a good mechanical keyboard should. It just like you type and it's just perfect. And it's a, a Bluetooth keyboard, which is very cool. It can pair up to three or it can uh, be paired with up to three devices. And you just tell it which of the three you want to use. And it it's stellar. Like it, it, it types well. It feels good. It sounds amazing. Of course, it wouldn't work in the podcast studio because you, all you'd hear is me going clack, 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 clack all the time. Uh, up here, I use one of Apple's, you know, quiet keyboards and that works really well. Uh, but it, it, it's, um, it's a fantastic keyboard. The problem with it is, and, and you can see this if you go to their webpage and look at it again, it's the IQ Unix F96 Coral C, but they have lots in the F96, uh, you know, um, the Coral C is just the color pattern. All of the keys are mashed together. I am used to the keyboard with the, you know, the QWERTY part of the keyboard being one part of the keyboard and then maybe have the like the home button and arrow keys as like a separator and then the numeric keypad on its own off to the right. And this has everything all mashed together. And I constantly was finding myself just typing the wrong things at the wrong time. I gave myself a week because I know change resistance. I'm human, just like all of us. And I know that I'm, you know, set in my ways, especially with a keyboard that I've used for years. But I do use multiple keyboards. I use my laptop, which doesn't have a numeric keypad. I use the keyboard here in the studio, which is Apple's, as I said, the, the, the quiet one. And then, you know, this Logitech one. But I just couldn't make it happen. Uh, that now is actually that that Coral C keyboard is living or the IQ Unix keyboard is living over uh, in the house at Lisa's desk. And she has adapted to it. But she had the same issue. It was like, it's all mashed together. I don't know that I'm going to be able to get there with it. But she's like, I want to try. I'm like, yeah, I, I understand this feeling. And so I think she's gotten there. But it is a it, it is worth checking out if you are looking for mechanical keyboards. The next one that I tried. Now, what I noticed here is that it says wired and wireless. Mm -hmm. You can so okay, you can nice. you can buy it either way. I mean, the wireless one you can use as a wired keyboard for sure. Uh, but uh, but you can also buy a wired only version if your setup is such that you can have a wire to your keyboard. Uh, some people can, some people can't as easily. Right? You know, it depends on your desk setup and things like that. Right? Okay. And then I see they also have uh, you can get a backlit keyboard if you mm -hmm. like typing in the dark. So that's yeah, nice. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a great keyboard, and those cherry keys are are stellar. Uh, they re really, really are. Uh, the next one that I tried is one that is probably familiar to many many Apple fans, and that is the Matthias Tactile Pro keyboard. This is uh, the they built it with uh, inspired by Apple's extended keyboard. It's the same key switch, the Alps mechanical key switches, which are just on par with those cherry ones. They feel just as good. Uh, and people loved that thing. They called it the battleship keyboard. This is a non wireless keyboard. So you do need to be in a scenario where you can have a wire going from your keyboard to your computer easily. Again, that's not always the, the easiest thing. Wired wireless keyboards certainly uh, offer a lot of options in that regard, but it is, you know, the keys are laid out where I expect them to be. It sounds good. It feels good. I, it, it immediately felt natural to me. It was like, ah, this is what I want. It, like without, it didn't take 10 minutes, let alone 10 days. It was just like, yep, this is the one for me. I don't make typos on it. I just, I can plow through things. It sounds good. It feels good. Uh, and, but again, it is wired. 
which may be a, a deal breaker. One cool thing that they do is they put all of, you know, you can hold down option like G and get the copyright symbol and things like that, John. They put all of those on the keys. So you, oh, nice. yeah, it, it really is nice. <laughs> um, and also the function keys it, on both of these keyboards, the function keys could be used uh, automatically. It's sort of pre-programmed, I guess, in Mac OS uh, for changing the volume and play pause and skipping tracks and things like that. This keyboard has those functions uh, also marked on the function keys. So you don't have to remember that, oh, is it F8 or F9 that, that you know, mutes the sound or whatever it is. You just look and you hit the mute button and you're good to go. So, yeah. The thing I liked about this style of keyboard. Yes. Um, so that was one of my favorites was the, uh, the battleship. Mm-hmm. The thing that drove me crazy about keyboards that came with future Max is that they wouldn't tilt. I like to have a, a bit of tilt in the keyboard and sure. the um the apple one and i assume this one it's kind of hard to tell yep is it has an adjustable height it, it it is you can set it to two different settings tilt or not tilt uh, okay y- yeah and and again depending on your desk setup and the height of your desk and all that you may or may not want the tilt so yep um i am finding my logitech keyboard had a wrist rest built into it and i am finding that i'm probably going to want to order a third party wrist rest um, but he, but you know, I felt that more with the IQ Unix keyboard with this one. It hasn't come up as much yesterday was a day where I was doing a lot of typing and I was like, Oh yeah, I got to remember to order a wrist rest, you know, but, um, I have other keyboards to keep checking out and, uh, and I will, but I, w- I wanted to start with kind of the, you know, the, the battleships of them, the, <laughs> uh, the mechanical big keyboard that, you know, might sit at. Your desk, it's not the thing you're going to travel with or anything like that. These are heavy keyboards, which is good. They don't move around. They don't, you know, they stay where you put them and, and you can bang on them and all day long and they, they, they do what they need to do. So just don't expect people on a Zoom call not to know that you're typing an email while you're on that Zoom call with them because these mm-hmm. keyboards make noise. So they are not good for podcasters in the podcast studio for sure. Uh, more on that, John? I'm good. All right, cool. Let's uh, let's talk about a couple other keyboards. Glenn, uh, and, and it's been a few episodes since we've talked about keyboards, and, and we've had this one from Glenn in here for a while. Glenn says, I tried several keyboards and finally found the Keychron K2, K-E-Y-C-H-R-O-N, K2. It's a great keyboard for me, he says, my, the best ever. He chose brown switches, and they are perfect for him. The reason to order the K2 model was the small width. I often had problems with my shoulder. I bought the Logitech MS MX Ergo. Since having this setup, my shoulder problems are gone. I also tried a TL key keyboard from Apple, uh, A1242, but I wanted a mechanical keyboard again, <clears throat> and there were some limitations because there are not so many keys. The big advantage of this Keychron keyboard is a switch to choose between Mac and Windows. The keyboard is delivered with Windows and Mac keycaps, I work a lot in home office and I have to use windows. So it's easy to use my K2 back and forth with those. Yeah. So maybe that's what this is. Maybe it's this idea that 75% layout of a keyboard. That's what this, um, this a two M two thing is. Um, but yeah, yeah, there you go. That Keychron looks, it looks quite nice, quite nice. Yeah. Thanks for that. Glenn. Good stuff. Thoughts on that, John, before we, uh, 
before we do our uh, last one here? The multi-device switching is is pretty neat. I, it is. And and like I said, that's one of the things that the IQ Unix did really well. You, it just has keystrokes. I think you hold down, I forget what it is, but I think if you hold down function one, function two, or function three, and that sets it between the three. And there's a little status light that changes color when you uh, are pairing to the new device. So you kind of, you get some feedback that, yep, this is what's going to happen. And, and here's how it's going to be. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh Speaking of a keyboard that can switch between devices, Tim brings us our final entry in keyboards for today. Uh, I recently purchased the Logitech K780 keyboard to use in my home office. It's a keyboard that lets you uh, easily switch between three devices, including iOS devices, which, of course, uh, any Bluetooth keyboard can do. Since COVID, my company has me working from home. Unfortunately, I have to use a Windows device for work, but I have my 2017 iMac on the same desk using this keyboard along with Logitech's MX vertical mouse. So that's that's two votes for the MX mouse. Uh, I'm able to quickly switch from my PC to my Mac simply by dragging the mouse from one screen to the next. I also set up my iPad and the keyboard has a built-in lip to hold the device. Oh, very nice. All right. Well, we will put that link in the show notes and we'll we'll put a, a link to the Logitech MX there, too, because it seems like that's something we should be checking out, John, the, that MX Master Mouse. Do, have you have you seen one of those? Have you used one of those? Um, Is it a trackball? No, it's no? it's a mouse, but it's it's like the ergonomic mouse where your hand kind of goes down on mm. it. So Meh, never a big fan of those. OK, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I like trackballs. It reduces uh, wrist uh, or whatever they call it, repetitive I, stress injury. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I like track pads for that reason. I always found trackballs within about an hour of using it. My wrist was just shot. Like, I, I don't know why. I think it's because of the rolling the ball. Like, I don't know. It seemed like it seemed like for me, at least that was like the opposite of helping my wrist. But. Um, but you know, we're all built differently. So it's, you know, you got to figure out what works for you and, and then you do it. So, yeah. All right. We've got a couple of, we actually, we got a whole slew of cool stuff found. I'm curious to see if we get through them. We will, uh, we will talk about our, our second group of sponsors at some point in the middle of our cool stuff found, but John, you want to take us to, uh, your first entry well, here I, for cool stuff. Found? I found something. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got an email from, uh, from Twitter it's like, Oh, what I do now. <laughs> um, um, they just announced a, a new service called Twitter Blue. Um, it's a pay service. I think it's two ninety five a month. Okay. Uh, and what does it do for you? Well, it depends uh, on what platform you're on. Uh, and I'm looking at a chart here right now. So it looks like all of the features are in the iOS version. Okay. Um, offering. Um, Ad-free articles, bookmark folders, custom app icons, themes, custom navigation, top articles, reader, and a feature that people have been asking for forever. Undo tweet. Okay. All right. So talk to me um, about this undo tweet thing. And, and how, it, how much is this service? Did you say how much it was? I think it was two ninety five a month. Two ninety nine, two ninety five, something like that. Yeah. Okay. And, and this undo tweet, how does this work? Like, what's the... Uh, here's the wording. Uh, okay. Undo tweet gives you the option to retract the tweet after you send it, but before it's visible to others on Twitter. It's not an edit button, but a chance to preview and revise your tweet before it's posted for the world to see. 
Uh, once the period is over, the uh, the tweet is viewable to your followers, and you can either leave it or delete it. Okay. All right. So it's not quite an edit. It's not an edit, but it it, it it's essentially a delayed post of your tweet. Yeah. It's a yeah. Uh, take it back feature. <laughs> yeah. Well, or don't post it because I, I don't think, yeah. based on what you just said, it sounds like it sits in a holding pen for yeah. You know, for a minute and before it goes. Mm-hmm. So. I, I have I have some experience with this kind of thing. Uh, my I mentioned before I use Mail Acton for to to look at my Outbox rules. Well, Mail Acton also has a feature that lets me delay sending an email, uh, and I have my defaulted to two minutes. I've mentioned this before, so I won't go too deep into it, but. It it allows me that same kind of functionality where you know you you go through the the pain of of composing an email or in this case a tweet and you hit send and then as soon as like the pressure cooker is off of being in the moment within usually for me within about ten or fifteen seconds anything that I wanted to change or do or add to that email immediately comes to mind and it's like oh crap I wish I had done that and this allows for that exact same kind of thing with Twitter I like it that makes sense all right. That's cool. Fun. Fun, fun. I don't know. It's something. It's nice to see them moving up in the world. Um, I would like to see them enable edits, but I, I grok that there's a there's an issue with that. Like, it's not just as simple as let me edit my tweet. If it were, I think that would be a done deal. The issue is, you know, if if you post a tweet and uh, and then I reply to it and then you go and edit your tweet to make it, you know, my reply may not be as relevant. And in depending on what the subject matter is, that could be, you know, just trivial or really not so trivial. So like Facebook, they have a whole edit history that you can see when there's a post or a comment that's been edited. And then I've even gotten notifications when I reply, you know, I comment on someone's post and then their post gets edited in a in a significant way. I've gotten notifications from Facebook saying, "Hey, that thing you replied to has been changed. You might want to go look at this." And and so, I mean, I think that's where Twitter's you know foundational platform is probably not built to do this, right? You know, so mm-hmm. this is this is their workaround. Like, okay, well, we'll just wait a minute to send your tweet, and you can decide whether you actually wanted to send it. I'm surprised no Twitter clients have done this yet. Like third party well, Twitter clients. Twitterific kind of does. They have a delete and edit feature. Sure, so you can highlight one of your tweets, delete it, and then edit it. So, like, if you realize that you, you know, you you see your tweet and you spelled something wrong or something, sure. But that brings up the problem that you indicated is that you know anybody that's replied to your original faulty tweet uh, will be you know left hanging out the dry. Yeah, it, it, those replies get orphaned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but I mean, like I I'm, I haven't seen any third parties do the delayed post thing, like write it now, post it in a minute uh, kind of thing. I thought tweet. You can queue. You can queue post for the future, but just like like this with Twitter Premium, what's it called? Twitter Blue. Uh, it's 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 baked into the functionality. You hit post, and your post actually doesn't go. Your tweet doesn't go live for a minute, right? So that that's the part. But you're right. The TweetDeck and and lots of other tools, Hootsuite and things like that, let you queue up tweets for the future for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Cool. Um, 
in the Sonos world, especially the Sonos home theater world, we for a long time have been wanting DTS audio support. And uh, this week slash last week, depending on when you're listening, we got it. It uh, it adds DTS audio so that you get uh, in addition to Dolby Digital, which is what we had previously. So DTS support means that uh, surround sound from more sources comes in. Blu-ray discs that use DTS can support it can, you know, now fully be supported on your Sonos. Uh, it's not just the new ones like the Arc and the beam, but even the first gen beam and the play base and even the play bar that goes all the way back to 2013 supports uh, DTS. Now, even the Sonos amp, which is their, you know, use roll your own speaker kind of thing with, with their amplifier supports DTS, which is fantastic. It does not. And I'll use the word yet. And that's my word, not Sonos's word. It does not yet support DTS HD. So if you support, if you play a DTS HD source, it will sort of downsample it to DTS. So you're still getting DTS audio. You're just not getting the the HD version of that audio, but, uh, but it'll show it. You know, I, I tried it with something and it, it came up in the little Sonos app that shows you things. Uh, DTS surround 5.1. And so I was really stoked. Like that's, it's a, that's a huge deal. That was a big holdback for, um, for the Sonos home, th- home theater thing amongst the aficionados. I mean, it still is a great, it still was a great home theater setup before that. And now it got even better. They, um, speaking of the app, they now have next to the volume bar bar. You can, there's a little, there's like a little button that looks like EQ sliders and it lets you bring up your EQ, EQ sliders for that speaker setup right there. You don't have to like dig into settings. So if you want to tweak the EQ, you just do it right in the, uh, you know, right on the now playing screen, which is again, just a really nice, you know, you could do it before it was, this isn't a new feature it, but it is exposed in a better place, I think. So, Oh, and I think maybe I've only installed this yesterday as of when we're recording the show. So time will tell, but uh, they enabled, they added a feature called battery saver for their wireless speakers. This has been a huge problem with like the Sonos Roam. It's a great speaker. Uh, they say it gets 10 hours of battery life. I've found that that's true. Whether it's playing something or not, that's bad. So if the speaker is just charged and sitting there, battery tanks over the course of a day. Uh, I had to set my thing box to tell me when the speaker would go offline so that I'd know, oh, crap, I got to go charge it up again, you know. And uh, and it's supposed to be a Qi charging to speaker the Sonos Roam. Uh, you put it on a cheap pad and it starts to charge. But if I just leave, I figured, oh, I'll just leave it on a cheap pad. And then when I want to take it with me, it's fully charged and good to go. That has not been my experience with it. It's, 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 there's something not quite right. However, this new battery saver thing, you can turn it on for your wireless speakers. And after 30 minutes of being idle, it actually shuts itself off instead of going into sleep mode. So you have to wake it back up in order to use it. But at least it, you know, when it's just sitting there, it's not tanking the battery over 10 hours of effectively not being used. So it's, I will say though, this is the best sounding portable speaker of its size. You know, it's that pills shaped size speaker uh, that I've, that I've used. It is my travel speaker because it does Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi at home, Bluetooth on the road. And it, it like, I don't know how they get the sound, the big full sound out of it that they do. It, it really, 
despite the flaws that I've had to live with so far, and maybe this battery battery saver thing sort of takes those flaws away. Um, it like, it's the speaker that goes into my, um, you know, into my suitcase when I'm traveling, it, it's fantastic. So, you know, at least there's that. All right. So that's what I got with Sonos. Yeah. All right. Nice. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's keep on trucking here. Shall we? Mike, speaking of audio, Mike has, uh, a cool stuff found of his own to share. He says, uh, I needed to replace the Bluetooth adapter that I use with my iPhone in my car. My six-year-old Rock, Rockford Bluetooth adapter died silently one day. I figured this technology has improved, and hopefully the price had dropped. The Rockford looked to be unchanged, both in price and technology, so it's still over 50 bucks. He says, so I searched. I found and purchased the Tunai, T-U-N-A-I, Firefly LDAC Bluetooth receiver for a sale price of around $30, and it has worked great. My car's built-in Bluetooth works only for phone calls, but there's a set of RCA aux jack and a cigarette lighter-style power plug in the armrest. So, with an inexpensive audio cable and an old USB power plug, I was back in business. He says, I tried another Bluetooth, Bluetooth receiver I had. Uh, however, it was battery operated. So when the car went off, the sound stopped, but my phone was still connected and I'd have to remember to turn that receiver on and off. Yeah. You want something that's powered with the car so that when the car turns off, your phone knows not to send sound to the car. But yeah, this little firefly, it, it's, um, it, it is a, one end of it is a USB, a, uh, you know, plug that plugs into a USB, a jack. So typical power. And the other end of it is a aux style, you know, headphone stereo jack. So if you happen to have a car set up where you have an aux in, which more of the modern cars do and USB a, and a lot of times they're really close to each other in cars. This is all you need. It's like a, I don't know. It looks like maybe a six inch cable, maybe even shorter than that. And, uh, and you just plug both in and you're done because it powers via USB. And then obviously spits the sound out that it gets over Bluetooth through the aux style jack. But if you need an extension on either end of it, no problem. You just, you know, extend the cable, either the, probably the aux cable is the easiest one to extend. Although you certainly could buy a USB extender. It's just going to be more expensive, but yeah, it's 40 bucks on Amazon. That's pretty cool. And that's a, that's a high quality DAC Bluetooth five. I like that idea. Very cool. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask you. So high resolution is means what to me exactly? The higher bandwidth of um of Bluetooth 5, it which means effectively that it supports AAC um for uh, for audio, which is over Bluetooth, which is about as good as it's going to get. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. High high definition aptX, AAC regular aptX so all all of the all of the high higher bandwidth higher quality bluetooth codecs are supported by this okay yeah okay yeah that's what it means yeah that's pretty good i like that nice find mike thanks that's why we have cool stuff found thanks for sharing man good stuff all right uh one more cool stuff found for the moment uh martin followed up to our episode with uh, Gary Rosenzweig where Gary mentioned finding the car mount that he could take a piece off of and use as a MagSafe tripod mount. Well, listener Martin found something even better. He says, uh, I've, I found this MagSafe tripod mount at shopmoment.com. 
and it looks just like what someone that wants a tripod would need. Um, this thing, it, it it's MagSafe. It has the little tripod thing. It looks pretty elegant. You can set it to work in portrait or landscape. So, yeah, very cool. Thanks for that, Martin. I like that. It's good stuff. This is what I love about this show, John. It's great. Good. All right. Uh, we might have a couple more cute, cool stuff found. We definitely have some questions that we'll jump to. Uh, the next thing I want to do is talk about our next couple of sponsors, if that works for you, Mr. Braun. Dandy. All right. Hey, look. You don't have to let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or, you know, just someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension free. Our sponsor Theragun can help because Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using this scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The new Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than just vibration alone. It's got an OLED screen on it, and the design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future, and it Bluetooths to your phone. You download the Therabody app to your iPhone, and you pair it up. And then it walks you through doing this so that it really coaches you into how to use the device. It tells you to like simply float the Theragun over your body and you let the Theragun do the rest. And uh, it says, you know, to activate my muscles, I treat for 30 seconds at a time. And then to recover, I spend two minutes on each muscle group. And of course, I can I can, you know, pick different activities and they've got things for first time users in the app. It's very cool the way they've put all this together. And like I said, Bluetooth to your Theragun and you're good to go. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams. This is a thing that you're going to want to check out. And here's the best part. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash MGG right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash MGG, therabody.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Theragun and Therabody for sponsoring this episode. Hey, it's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? No, no, no. We're not talking about the big guy in the red sleigh. We're talking about OWC's holiday sale. You can find the lowest prices of 2021 on hot ticket items like docks, hubs, headphones, and peripherals. So from videographers to remote workers, a wide range of professionals depend on OWC to stock up on the solutions they use year round. And John and I are among them. Like we all use OWC because not only do they have great products, they have great support. They understand what they're doing. People wait all year to buy their Macs and accessories at this sale. Get up to 90% off of the hottest selling items of the season. You go to MacSales.com slash holiday to get your hands on the hundreds of OWC gifts this holiday season. I, I went there and I started looking. They've got their Thunderbolt hub. It's there. They've got uh, memory for your computer. They've got uh, one of those USB three port, like wraparound things. They're, famed OWC USB-C travel dock, right? I, this is where you want to go. This is what I'm seeing when I go there. You get to see different things because it just keeps changing. And that's one of the beauties of OWC and their deals. So go check it out again, maxsales.com slash holiday. And our thanks to OWC for sponsoring this episode. 
All right, John. Well, I think we should do some questions. You helped Abby with a fixed or fixing a stuck iPhone. And, uh, well, I don't know if I did. Well, that's true. Abby asked about fixing a stuck iPhone and you have some ideas, but I think this is going to be a good troubleshooting conversation. Yes. Um, all right. So, uh, here's an interesting thing that happened with my iPhone XR running iOS 15. I really got caught with this one so much that I'm writing this email out from uh, from my backup Android phone. Oh, I'm no. attaching a video where I recorded of what was happening, but I'll also mention a couple of points for you that may explain in more detail. I think some general lagginess did start showing up on my phone since I installed iOS 15, but this time things were just the next level. Basically, the phone was lagging like I'm now used to with iOS 15. But when I tried to open one of the apps, I think it was Outlook, the app opened and then disappeared. After that, I just could not use even the most basic functions of the phone. Here's all the stuff I could not do. Um, could not launch any apps, swipe up from the bottom of the screen to go back to my main home screen, invoke the application switcher, lock my screen using the power button. Oh, boy. Um, uh, hold the power and volume key to get the power... Uh, down SOS screen. Oh yeah, the uh, UDP. I guess. Well, no, 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 not know. UDP. That's right? Different. No, he's just trying to get the the standard one, not the force restart yes. one. Right. Yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yep. Um, and could not use Siri. Um, to launch an app, it tried to do it and then said, "I'm having a bit of trouble here." Oh boy. Well, at least it knew. <clears throat> It knows something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Here's the stuff that's still working. Siri was working, which thankfully I was able to use to call my dad, who was going to pick me up in his car while this was happening. Use the power button to invoke Siri. The volume rocker was working and functional. I could pull down the notification center. I could go over to the app drawer, but not launch any apps. The screen would tie out and turn off by itself and come back up if I turned it on using the power button. And Face ID would unlock and let me get to my home screen. Uh, so as you can see from the list of things, I cannot get the phone to do a reboot and get everything back to normal. I've now turned up the brightness to 100%, and I'm basically waiting for the phone to die on its own and then see if things change. First, I want to ask if there's any way you can think of, like, I could have used the force of reboot without the list of things I said were not working. Secondly, I want your thoughts also on a related YouTube video I saw from... John Prosser, where he's talking about Apple's doing crazy things with hardware, but somehow their software quality just isn't matching up. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> uh, basically, I'm the Apple evangelist in my circle, and I was told everyone if I ever had something really important happening in my life, I choose to have my iPhone with me over my Android phone because I know I could always rely on it, and it would not let me down. But recently, there have been one too many instances where I switched over to my Android phone because the iPhone was not working when I needed it to. Okay. Um, if I was on Mac OS, Dave, I'd suggest reinstalling the operating system. I think that's damaged on this device. How? I don't know. Um, uh, so, so there is an a equivalent to that on, um, on iOS. And uh, Apple has a dandy article here called Restore Your iPhone, iPad, or iPod to Factory Settings. Uh, that's the only place I could think of to start. Well, not, not the only place. Okay, so that's one place, Dave. Sure, yeah. Um, and basically, you run an app, and you say Restore, and it wipes your phone and installs the OS again. Sure. At least that's how they explain yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
So I try that and then restore from a backup. And hopefully there's not corrupt content in your backup that's causing this. Um, the other place to look is that, let's see, where was it? Settings, general, uh, shutdown. Uh, maybe you could try shutting it down that way. Oh, <clears throat> is that, is, is that still there in iOS yes. 15? Okay. All right. Really? Yeah. I, th- I thought there was also a restart there, but then there's a, let's see, transfer or reset iPhone. Oh yeah. There it is. Okay. That's another one you may want to try. And it says reset or erase all content and settings. Now, if you do that, okay. I I uh, think I think you I think you hit the nail on the head with the shutdown. I, it, it sounds like this is not a recurring problem for him. It is a one time problem, right? It, this is effectively what happened to my daughter that started our whole conversation that led with the UDP suggestion in the in the last episode. Was her phone was malfunctioning in this way like it wouldn't respond volume buttons weren't like it was almost exactly but not quite exactly what abby was uh was saying here and so that's when we we did the you know up down power thing on it and shut it down and then it woke up and it or restarted and it was fine uh going into settings if he could get in there and go to settings general shutdown would presumably do the same thing but the um the up down power thing is a a uh, more basic restart like that will it, it doesn't require software to be behaving in order to do that. Uh, so that but I, I think I think this is a one time deal for him. I don't think this is a this is a it doesn't the way he described it. This is a my phone started freaking out. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get it out of this mode. And 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 I think you're right. Yeah. Shutting it down or restarting is is the key. And and it brings up a a good piece of advice. We you know we recommend all the time here that you restart your Mac once a week. We've even gone so far as to schedule ours with Energy Saver, and it works out great. Uh, but our iPhones don't have that functionality, and for many of us, the only time we restart our iPhones is when there's a software update. And unless there's software updates coming out a couple times a month, I don't think that's often enough because it can you can easily go a month or more without restarting your iPhone or iPad. And these things are complex computers with complex software that gets tied in knots. And I, I think that's what we're seeing with Abby here and what my daughter was seeing too. I think we just need to restart our phones, you know, at least once a month. But I, I would say once a week might be too more often than necessary. I'm not going to say too often. It's not going to harm anything, but uh, I, I would say, you know, twice a month, is probably the right amount to restart our phones. So, and I think that that's how to mitigate these kinds of things. That's my, that, that that's how I'm taking this one. So, I, I mean, sometimes, so I'm a Pokemon go player mm-hmm. and uh, every now and then um, I'll get to a new location and try to, you know, do whatever uh, can be done there. And I tap the screen and it, it doesn't register. In the app itself. Yeah. But if I click to another app, uh, it works fine. So I'm like, okay, the digitizer's in, in good shape. Right, right. And how to solve that is quit the app and then run it again. Yeah. Yeah, right. It, like, it, And it could be as simple as it, 
and I say simple as going and like quitting all your apps. Although I'm pretty sure my daughter did that when hers was malfunctioning and that didn't, that didn't help the system at all. But sometimes, you know, on your Mac, you get an app that's run away. And if you can successfully quit it, and we've all seen those times when the app quits, but it doesn't really quit, you, you know, and it's like, yeah, I just need to restart. Um, I've been having a weird problem. This reminds me, and I don't know how to solve it um, yet. We'll get there, but I've I've been having an issue where my external SSD that I store like my photos and music and stuff on just goes offline and it seems related. This is on my M1 mini. It's a Thunderbolt SSD. It's connected to the OWC Thunderbolt dock. Um, And part of me thinks that it's, you know, that Thunderbolt dock has a cable that comes around the front because it's also made to be used with laptops. And, Part of me thinks it's something about that cable getting nudged, but like this morning it, it, the drive wouldn't mount or wasn't mounted and even unplugging like the Thunderbolt cable from the dock and plugging it back in didn't remount it, but restarting did. So I'm not, I don't know. It's weird, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep you all posted as I move, move on. But yeah, I think these things just need restarts every now and then. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we have a somewhat related question here from listener Ben, which might be a tip. Actually, we're not sure. So take this advice as, as questionable advice, but it might be the thing uh, in episode 900, John, we were talking about when you go into iPhone and you go into reset, but you choose reset network settings uh, that you lose all your wireless networks uh, on the phone. But, but like they remain in iCloud keychain because for example, I had done that with my phone and uh, my phone wouldn't connect to the Wi-Fi network at your house. But my brand new, less than one day old MacBook Pro did because it synced it down from uh, from iCloud Keychain. And so Ben says, uh, I experienced the same thing a few years ago when I had my iPhone battery replaced. Only afterwards did I learn, I think, uh, he says, that you can disable iCloud Keychain before doing the reset and retain all of your networks afterwards by then re-enabling iCloud Keychain. Mm-hmm. And this seems to hold up. Like, why wouldn't that work? So I'm curious about this. And and to that same end, if you did this before disabling, you know, if you, if you just did the reset and didn't disable iCloud Keychain, could you disable iCloud Keychain, let it fo- do its full disable, maybe even restart the phone for good measure when it comes back up? re-enable iCloud keychain would that pull the entire copy down uh, of those Wi-Fi networks, not just the ones that are new to the phone? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. So next time I have to do a reset network settings on my phone, I'm definitely going to try this. But if one of you truly knows the answer, feedback at MacKeyCap.com, we would love to hear from you about it because that, that would be a great solution to that pesky little symptom of the reset network settings. Feedback at MacGeekUp.com. That's feedback at MacGeekUp.com. That's where Steve sent in his question. Uh, hold on. Oh, go um, ahead. I'm sorry. Just, yep. just to help people. Yeah, man. Um, if you want to see your list of Wi-Fi networks, where is that? Um, can, can you see it on your phone? No, no. That's the I, problem. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to help people sure. find out what networks are listed. Sure. So here's how you find out. Um, go to network. Click on a Wi-Fi network advanced this is in system preferences right yes on the mac 
Yep. System preferences network. Okay. Um, advanced. And then you're going to see a Wi-Fi tab. And under that, it says preferred networks. And the order that they're, the, they're listed in the order that your iDevice or Mac will look for. Okay. And then you can move them around if you want to. Or you can delete some. Um, normally, this um, sometimes you may not want tons of entries in there. Like, you know, I had some left over from like an airport that I was at and it's like, I'm not going to need that. I so, saw, I saw one not that long ago from Macworld Expo. And I was like, yeah, pretty sure I don't need that anymore. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. But see, right, that's, so that's where that list is. That's the thing is that list is not like, why isn't that list entirely on my iPhone? Like, uh, if, I agree. It's, it's right. Like it's syncing to my Macs. Like, how do I tell my iPhone Forget what you know and just pull down that list from iCloud Keychain. And I'm wondering if if what we were saying, just turn it off and turn it on, might do that. I, there should be a better way. Mm-hmm. There should be. Maybe someday. Uh, yeah, no, it's good. All right. Uh, Steve did ask a question, though. He says, uh, Dave, I noticed in uh, a recent episode that you have a clear case on your iPhone in episode 900. And I wondered if you could share which case that is. I've bought several from Amazon and subsequently returned uh, these cases, two of them for my iPhone just this past week because I find they get slimy and or very fingerprinty after a few hours in my hands. Are you happy with yours and would you recommend it? He also uh, response that the command PP shortcut from pilot Pete is a game changer. Same. Uh, yeah. So it's still on my phone. So I guess the answer is yes, I am happy with it. This is the Zag crystal palace snap. And the snap is the thing that adds the, uh, mag safe to it. Uh, it, I, I like the way it feels. It's got good, uh, ridges along the edge to, to really, uh, grip my hand. I wanted a clear mag safe case, and, you know, normally I get inundated with iPhone cases from all of our, you know, friendly manufacturers before the iPhones even arrive. That happened in a much lesser degree this year because of all the supply chain issues. Uh, so I I wound up ordering at least one from Amazon that that basically looked like this. And it wasn't like this. It was like you said, it felt slimy. The edges didn't have that grippy thing. Uh, the MagSafe did work, but this Zag one is, is, uh, is fantastic. I, I would like to check out the Spec Presidio Perfect Clear with MagSafe case because we've had good luck with the Perfect Clears in the past, but, uh, but that has yet to arrive for the iPhone 13 mini. Uh, but yeah, I'm super happy with the, the Zag Crystal Palace snap and, uh, and it's the one that's going to be on my iPhone for my my Thanksgiving travels. So um, so th- th- there's my endorsement for you, I suppose. Uh, I have lots of cases to choose from and, and am not considering a different one for this trip. So there you go. No. Yeah, you, have you been messing with MagSafe yet, John? Um, not really. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I got some charging discs. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I'm. And I'm, we got the, uh, also, well, no, we got the, uh, the, the, um, uh, oh yeah. The MagSafe chargers from, from, uh, from my charge. 
Those yeah, charging, those charge, those charging packs are fantastic. I got another one too. I'll, I'll I, I, I don't have it queued up here, and I don't have the name of it, but it is a, a a preview of a future cool stuff found. It is a MagSafe charging brick that just attaches to your phone, right, via MagSafe, and so it stays on your phone. Uh, it's got a little kickstand in it, and uh, it the charging disc works for MagSafe and Apple Watch pucks. So nice. yeah. So I, I, I want to test it a little more before I start telling people to buy it, but stay tuned. I, I promise it'll be in the next episode one way or another. I'll either tell you to buy it or tell you to steer clear of it. Uh, I am going to bring it with me on my travels. So, but yeah, to solve the watch and phone thing at the same time, that's pretty clever. So yeah, and I'm fairly certain when I plugged one into my Mac that it charged it. Okay. It charged your it Mac. The you big mean? one. Uh, correct. If I plug the my charge charger uh, and connect it to a Mac, it'll start charging the Mac. It would need at least thirty watts of output power to do that to be power delivery for a Mac. And really? I didn't think those my charge ones. Check it because I've done yeah, that. I'll double check it on the side of it. And actually, it was funny because I think I saw you trying to read what was on the side of one of them. Oh yeah. Uh, it says ten watts on the back, so that would. So why is it charging my computer? Well, your computer might be confused. I've because I've done this before where I've plugged a, you know, because it's USB-C, right? So plug it in, see what happens. And I've seen it where my computer will go back and forth between, oh, I think I'm charging. Oh, wait, I think I'm charging that device, you know, and it it just becomes this. Yeah. So test it because some of those battery packs can do that and some cannot. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, but it's good to know that uh, threshold. And then, yeah. Yeah, and then I got their non-magsafe one, and who's, I gotta say, who's non-magsafe one, John? That's a spec. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, but no, I like the clear cases. Yeah. This is the first phone where people actually noticed it and said, "Hey, yeah. is that the new iPhone 12? And I'm like, "Wow." Yeah. Because they could see that it's it's pretty. It's blue. Right. Blue right. One, and when the 12 like came out, yeah, it was the only one that was blue. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it has drop protection, which is nice. Sure, sure. And I have had a couple of tumbles. Um, we all do. It, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's 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 always my concern when buying like a twelve dollar case off of Amazon. It's like, okay, like, is it gonna is the phone gonna stay in there when it drops? Is it gonna actually protect it? You know, those sorts of mm-hmm. things. So, yeah, yes, is good. Um, all right, where are we here on this? We are, but yeah, we're basically done with the episode yeah. here. Yeah, i i wanted I want to share one more thing. It's it's one last cool stuff found. It's from a company called Lovesack, which makes couches. They partnered with Harman Kardon to make what they call the Lovesack Stealth Tech. So you know me, I love speakers in my living room. Uh, but they aren't always the prettiest things, right? And sometimes you know they're they're in fact ugly and get in the way. The stealth tech, the idea behind this is the Lovesack people. They're the ones that build these, that that sell these modular couches. They essentially have like two parts and you can build your couch and your ottoman and they stick together and it's fantastic stuff. Very cool. Not inexpensive, by the way. You pay for what you get with this. Stealth tech bakes in to the couch, your subwoofer, your, your rear speakers, your Qi charging pads, but none of them are visible 
you, they just are there. So you have like a cheap pad in the armrest of your couch. You put your phone there. Boom. It's charging. Put your AirPods there. Boom. They're charging. You've got the subwoofer underneath the thing. You've got your speakers around it. I, they had a press event. I didn't get it was in L.A., so I didn't get to go to it. I, I had to watch it. And so I didn't really get to experience these things. But uh, but, you know, it's Harman Kardon speakers and and then the Lovesack couches, which are built to be, they say, the only couch you'll ever buy. Right. Because you'll they, you can replace the covers and, and just keep it and, and extend it and all that good stuff. So uh, I wanted to share that for anybody that's kind of in the market for that sort of a thing. I, I like the concept. I ha- Again, I haven't personally experienced it, but I thought it was pretty cool. So I wanted to I just wanted to share it. I've had it on the list for a couple of weeks. So that's right. what I got, man. Starting got- at forty eight hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. $4,800 for like a four-piece little thing. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's like I said, it's not inexpensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. They are they are proud of what they've built there for sure. So, all right. That's what we got, right? We're good for today? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I don't know why this audio interface or this control surface is not an interface. That's a control surface. It doesn't want to let me uh, control the volume on our things. It's like, what the heck, man? I want to be able to do that. It's part of my deal. I like to be able to control the things. That's why it's sitting here. It just gets locked out of logic. That's weird. That's what we got for today. You got you got anything else, John? Anything to say to him? Anything to share with him? No. Okay. All right. Except thank you. Yeah. For your support. Thank, indeed. Thanks very much for uh, for everything you all do. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for your support. If you're a premium person, uh, at slash premium if you want to learn more. Thanks for your tips and your cool stuff found. That's what keeps the show going. It, it, we love it. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's what I got. Thanks for visiting our sponsors. As we always say, you can go to MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. We keep that page up to date for you with all the current deals. Even if they, the sponsorships aren't current, if the deals still exist, we keep it there for you. Uh, but you can go check that out. And then, of course, there or right here in the show, you will learn about the sponsors that we mentioned in this show. So if you go to uh, maxsales.com slash holiday, therabody.com slash MGG, hunterdouglas.com slash MGG, imperfectfoods.com, where MGG saves you 20%, and uh, wealthfront.com slash MGG. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. As always, fun stuff. John, you sure you don't have maybe one more thing to tell them about? I got more than one, Dave. Oh. I got not two, but three things to offer you, and that's don't get caught. Made up.